we started uh, looking into him when we were looking about beauty, like what is beauty in one of our books? You know, what is beauty to us? And his definition of beauty was just gorgeous. To him, he said beauty is a sense of homecoming. And that is very much um, what sums up what real beauty is, understanding like a deeper sense of who you are, of knowing who you are becoming and that depth his words I really encourage everyone to to look at some of his poetry and what he what he writes about but one of the things he does write about is Anamkara which is that soul connection that soul friend that you can have with many people but often there's a few special people in your life that you do just have a soul connection with and Anamkara is definitely what we thought summed up our relationship. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, in honor of celebrating my 200th podcast here on the Self Love Podcast, I could think of no one better than to have one of my nearest and dearest, most beautiful friends, the gorgeous Fleur Davis. This amazing woman trained as a beauty therapist in 1988, which started her on a fascinating career in the health and beauty industry. She has always had a fascination with the body and how amazing it works. Her father was in the St. John's Ambulance for years, and as a little girl, she joined the brigades and loved all the study on the human body and dealing with emergencies. She was definitely interested in being a nurse, but beauty therapy was way more appealing as a teenager, and the fact that her older sister was in the beauty and television industry just cemented her cause. She did have gut and skin issues in her late teens and early 20s, which led her to study a multitude of nutritional practices from macrobiotics and vegetarianism through to paleo. And that interest in nutrition and health has never stopped. At 20, she purchased her first business in Newmarket in Auckland. A few years later, she became trainer and consultant for In Essence Aromatherapy when it hit the New Zealand shores some 30 years ago. And that is where we were introduced to one another. What I particularly loved about meeting this gorgeous soul is our instant connection and our love of essential oils and plant therapies. We quickly realized we'd met for a reason. That was in 1995, and what followed was many, many years of an amazing partnership, which gave birth to five books, the incredible 28 Skincare and Essential Oil range, and us speaking to hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of women, all audiences, around the world. And along this journey, we also became mothers, moved countries, and never stopped sharing what we were learning with our followers, which is what they loved. What a privilege and a ride for us to work alongside each other as best friends. But of course, life throws curveballs, as it often does. And after Fleur separated from her husband, she found herself being drawn back to the comfort and support of her family. It was definitely a time of regrouping for her. She went back to teaching at the spa college and seeing clients which she loved and adored. Here she is 10 years on and now six years into her real estate career with her now husband, the gorgeous Craig, 
But this beautiful woman is still researching and reading everything there is to know about nutrition and health, and that will never change. She's loving this new phase of life. It is often said moving house is one of the most stressful events in your life, and she is now privileged to be helping people to do that and hopefully take away a lot of the stress that comes with it. Working alongside her husband is another privilege, and there is not a day goes by that she is not grateful for everything she has in her life. If there was one word to encompass her message, it is trust. Trust is a word that she uses often and repeats often in her head, trusting that everything happens for a reason, even in the middle of confusion and pain. But if you can truly trust that everything will work out, trust will be guided. That simple word has helped her through so many of her life's ups and downs and still does. So what an honor it is for me to share with you one of my absolute bestie besties, someone who I've absolutely adored, revered, respected, and looked up to for ever and ever. <laughs> and from the moment we met, I would say humor has been our greatest ally. I really hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. It is a delight and an honor to share my beautiful Fleur with you. Take care. Be kind. What an incredible journey. What an amazing life. What an incredible soul I'm about to share with you. My beautiful friend, one of my besties, the gorgeous Fleur Davis. What an honor and an absolute treat to have you on the week of me recording our 200th show. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, gorgeous Fleur. Thank you. So exciting. Well, it's been a journey as such, and I know that we've been on many highs and lows, and we have really shared the traversity of unbelievable friendship. We've reached milestones. We've had incredible highs. We've had children. We've moved countries together. We've done so many <laughs> amazing things. But just for the beautiful listener, perhaps you could just take us back on your journey of what got you into doing and leading you to where you are today. But please take your time and share with us who you are and how you came to doing what you do. Oh, goodness. Where do I start? Um, I think I've always had a passion for the beauty and wellness industry. I grew up where I had an elder sister, 13 years older than me. She was in TV, uh, makeup, beauty, that industry. So you can imagine as a young girl having an older sister, there was two boys in the middle, but 13 years older than me, I always looked up to her. So it was pretty obvious really that I was always going to go down that field. In saying that, I grew up with a father who was very involved with St. John Ambulance and led the youth brigade. Um, I used to go on um, um, brigade with him around like um, sports grounds, etc. And I was very involved in St. John's when I was younger. So I did all sort of the training through St. John's as you do as a, a young um, brigade member. And I always thought I was actually going to go into nursing. So that sort of giving, nurturing aspect was always there. And that's what I thought I was going to go into. But as a teenager, beauty therapy certainly was a little bit more appealing. Um, and I thought a year's study rather than maybe five years doing nursing was also appealing when you're a teenager. So I went into the beauty therapy um, role. 
and I absolutely loved it. So I, I love giving, I love nurturing. It's, it's very much part of me. But during that journey of learning to be a beauty therapy, I was gravitating more to the healing side. And so I wanted to know more about how the skin healed and conditions and plants and what we use to, to heal the skin and age gracefully, as it were. And that definitely led me to um, exploring lots of different ways when it comes to nutrition and health. I remember right when I was about 17 or 18, doing my macrobiotic study and driving my family crazy as I turned up to family events with all these weird, strange meals that they they couldn't get their heads around. So I was always exploring and wanting to learn more and more. And that brought me into the whole industry where I definitely gravitated more to the healing aspect. I bought my first beauty therapy clinic when I was about 19. So that was a huge learning curve into uh, the role of business. And as a young girl, I probably learned a lot, really. I learned a lot finding that of working all week and then working all nights and weekends doing the business side. But that also led me into working with aromatherapy and essential oils. From there, I went on and worked for another company and that is where I met you, the gorgeous Kim. And that changed the direction of my life and that I had such a connection with you. And I think we always said there's something we're going to do together. And from there... I don't know how to sum that up, it is 17 years of working together and creating the most amazing legacy, I suppose we could say, Um, and involving our families and friends along the journey, and it it was incredible, absolutely incredible. So do you want me to go into that whole, our whole journey, or into where I am today it's huge it's almost there's so much in my mind that I could go into and I could tell I know I know we certainly shared an incredible part of our life which has grown into a friendship that you know no matter where we are in the world no matter what we do no matter what we're actually um, interested in in that moment that connection will never change and it's something I never take for granted But yes, let's talk a little bit about 28 and then how we created that together. And and that line you said, you know, there's there's something we're going to do. And I'll never forget getting that phone call from that woman's magazine asking to write an an article on aromatherapy. And that's when I rang you and said, I know what it is we've got to do. So maybe you want to pick up from your point of view of what that (laughs) meant and then where we went with that that journey together. Absolutely. So from that phone call, Kim said, I know what we have to do. We have to write a book. And instantly I just said, great, let's do that. Thinking, can't be that hard really to write a book. I mean, we're passionate. We've got so many ideas. We're living, we're breathing everything we want to tell people. We were already doing workshops, working for an aromatherapy company together. So it just seemed like a natural fit really just to put all that down, all our our passion down on paper and share it with other people. Little did we realize um, that writing a book is doesn't come naturally. Um, I would say we were writers and passion, passionate what we were doing, not necessarily authors in the beginning. And that took quite a journey to learn that. So we had young children at the time. I think Lauren was about um, two months old. 
um, and I had a two-year-old toddler, as Kim had children as well. And going on that journey of writing was uh, interesting. I think it's probably the right word. We did late nights. We would put the children to bed and worked till all hours. We would get up first thing in the morning. And we were kind of uh, muddling our way through that. We had passion. We had ideas. We knew what we wanted to say. But actually putting that down on paper in book form was a totally different story. So that took about nine months. And um, people have probably heard the story before. We liken it to a pregnancy where we had terrible morning sickness in the beginning as we were trying to get our heads around it. And then after that, we gave birth to this beautiful, incredible book, which it took a long time working with the, the production team to get that right. But we were so, so proud of what we had created and so excited because we were living and breathing these tools that we were using as young mothers to balance our lives and to balance and heal our babies. And we really were so excited just to share that with everyone. Um, so it was incredibly rewarding and satisfying, uh, that journey of writing and one that we knew we had more in us to give, one that the publishers were so excited because they knew that we weren't just writers, but we had a lot to give as far as being out there in the public space and doing workshops. So it did start us on an, an incredible journey together. I'm just laughing, <laughs> thinking about how many bookshops <laughs> we went to with lime tissues, lavender tissues. We oh, named the book. We were so excited. <laughs> Thinking everyone would want a lime or lavender tissue when they walk past. We got a lot of strange looks. <laughs> and I remember even just backtracking before that when we wanted to name the book, we didn't know what to call it. And I remember one night we just looked at each other, as, you know, stumped, writer's block, whatever you want to call it. And we just both looked at each other and said, I think you said, let's go to the movies. We we just need a new frame of mind. And oh, yeah. we took off down to Wairau Park and the, the next movie on was Chocolat with Johnny Depp in it. And we're both very happy about that. But what was fascinating <laughs> is when we came out of that and I said, you know, our book is like this. It's, it's all indulgent and yummy and it's about tapping into our innate beauty and wisdom and using this beautiful tools they use chocolate we use oils and all of this and you were like yeah it's just like chocolate and I said yeah it's like chocolate for women and that's how we named the book like chocolate for women wasn't it mm, mm, it was it, that's exactly how it was and it, it, it was a perfect fit and it felt so right if anyone's seen that movie you'll know you come out of that movie just oh, feeling so indulgent and um yeah, passionate about what you're doing and, and the chocolate and it just related exactly to what we were doing. It was so perfect. And I remember the publisher saying, look, you know, we might sell one or 2,000 copies. It's very niche. Um, we actually went on to have three reprints in those first few months. Um, and that was predominantly because we were so passionate, as you say, and we were out there speaking and doing the work and sharing our love and passion whilst we had young children. What do you think was the biggest challenge for you being a mum, young babies, trying to live your passion, trying to support your friend, trying to make it all happen? What do you think mm -hmm. was the biggest struggle mm -hmm. for you in that time? I think it definitely was the, the balance everyone talks about, you know, getting that work-life balance right. But when you do have young children and working, and we weren't drawing an income as such in those early days, um, 
so it was definitely about keeping that home balance, everybody happy, the kids happy, you know, your partner, your husband happy, just and yourself keeping in balance as well, because it's very easy to throw yourself into something and forget about your own balance to look after yourself. So it was very much about practicing what we were preaching, because here we are, you know, telling women self-care is um, essential and often you're late nights and you're not sleeping as well and you're trying to juggle everything. So it, it was definitely about practicing what we preached. Do you think when we were there, um, I'm just trying to think of that night. I don't know which book we were writing. I think it was the second <laughs> book. But that night when we were doing the whole thing on sleep and we were doing, sleep. All, the, <laughs> doing all that research on sleep and oh. yet neither of us were sleeping, neither. And then we got ourselves into a right spin about how could we teach this when we're not living it kind of thing. Do you remember? Yeah. Oh, sometimes knowledge is not always a good thing when you're, when you're understanding how important sleep is. And the detrimental effect that can happen on the body and mind when you are not sleeping and you are not sleeping um, and you're reading and studying that and, and getting more worked up the fact that you are not sleeping. So it's, yeah, it, it was, we had some really funny times and, and very much had to um, learn and practice what we preached as we wrote because yeah, it was really challenging at times, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I think is so amazing? Sometimes, as you just alluded to, the the knowledge is sometimes not a great thing. I think our <laughs> nativity and our absolute open-hearted desire to become the be-all and end-all of self-care and to just totally live our truth, if we'd known how much work was ahead of us and <laughs> how many late, more late nights we were going to have and then moving countries and starting all over again over in Australia together, do you think we would have continued? <laughs> That's a good story. That's a good question. Uh, I don't know, actually. I, 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 think, I think together we would have because we were – each other's um, champion we were each other's encourager and when we got together the, nothing was going to stop us so I, I don't know I don't think that would have stopped us maybe doing it on our own or on my own possibly but because we were a team and because of the synergy which is probably the perfect word to use for us um, was incredible no I think we would have taken that on we could take on anything remember we anything we looked at we thought we'd be great at we're good at that <laughs> That was our favourite line. I want the listener to really know this, that every time we went anywhere, one of our favourite things, we'd look at each other and go, we'd be good at that. And you'd go, yeah. Or we'd walk into a real estate or an open home and we'd go, we could have staged this better. We'd be really good at this. Yeah. And I think that that real, it was like a, a really um, a humble confidence that we had with mm. each other mm. and I think that point of a synergy bringing two people together becomes more powerful than just two it almost multiplies and multiplies because even in our challenging times we still would I, I think the key for us was humor and we would always find the funny side do you recall any stories or anything that happened <laughs> during our time that that we could politely share oh. with um, with this audience about that passion of never giving up, of always believing, knowing that what we had was a great product. We knew women needed to hear this message. Is there anything that comes to mind to you where you kind of 
thought either something really funny or that it was like, what are we doing? Or <laughs> is there any? <laughs> oh, I think every time we got together, there was a story. Um, it was so, like you say, humor was um, the epitomized our relationship, definitely. I mean, right from the very beginning, when, when we first met in Wellington, you know, literally within an hour of meeting, we were in a bookshop with the uh, lady that um, picked us up from the airport. And within an hour, we connected over uh, picking up a, a card, the funny birthday cards, the dot birthday cards, which are hilarious. And we got the giggles. Well, I, I had only known you for about an hour and we had these uncontrollable giggles in a bookstore. Um, so we connected instantly that weekend doing our workshop when everything went wrong. Um, the help in the back of the room wasn't there. Um, the things that were meant to be organized um, in Wellington for us wasn't organized. And I was at the back of the room coordinating. You were up on stage. And we instantly just had this eye contact. We had this um, intuition, this incredible connection where you kind of knew that something was not right. And I was giving you a signal, you know, no, don't go there. We're not ready for you yet. And we just pulled it together. So I think there's many, many times over the years where workshops, you know, haven't always um, gone right. And we have just um, got through it, through this in, incredible sort of connection that we do have. A lot of people don't realise going what's going on behind the scenes, um, but we do and we make yeah. it work. And I loved that, that people would love not only our connection, because you could see it was so raw and pure, but also our incredible, zany, crazy sense of humours over everything. But I think that's what's really stood us both in good stead as we kept going forward in our life. And we decided after losing Danny's sister, in fact, I remember sitting on the plane and saying to you, um, I don't know what to do. I don't know what we should do. I don't know how to get through this incredibly challenging, sad, uh, immensely tragic time of our lives. And I'll never forget it was you as a friend. And this is where I think friendship is so incredible. But you saying, I think you need to go and live in Australia. Like, it's really hard for a best friend to let a best friend go. But I think that's something that I admire so wholeheartedly in you is you are always about the greater good. It's not about the short-term gratification. It's what's the best thing in the bigger picture. How did you come to believing that that was the right move for, for Danny and I? I think I've just always had a, a, a trust. The word trust constantly comes up for me. Um, it, just a, a gut feeling just to trust what is happening. And even though sometimes it, it, you're confused about it or it doesn't feel right, just to go with what your gut feeling is. And I just knew seeing you both in so much pain um, and knowing the connection that was already in the Sunshine Coast with Cindy um, and how uplifting and incredible it was over there, I just knew that that was the place that you needed to be. Uh, little did I know that I would be heading over there a year later, and at that time I didn't think that. But, um, yeah, I think, like you say, when, when, you, when you love people, when you love a close friend, a family member, you inherently just want them to be happy. And I knew that that was a good solution. You needed to detach 
from the pain and the energy and everything that was happening in New Zealand at that time. So trust is a, a, a big thing for me. I mean, I, I grew up in a, probably in a religious upbringing. I went to a Catholic school. But within religion, there is, because religion is man-made, there is a lot of judgment, there is a lot of fear, there is a lot of conditioning. And so even though I had that, that upbringing of faith and belief, I didn't really understand or like the religious side, the man-made side of it. So, and yet I still always nurtured and felt a connection and I would, I would pray or I would talk, I would ask for guidance. So whatever that is that you believe in, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to have when you actually do really feel like something's got your back or you can trust or you can step out in faith. And I think I've, I have always had that. Um, and that has come through with different decisions I've made in my life. And you're one of those people who I truly admire and look up to from that perspective. And I think when I look at our personalities and our love of understanding differences and that we're all different, not wrong, and how we, we were actually complete opposites. And yet we, <laughs> we, had, <are>. this, <laughs> we had this amazing ability to, to be that which we weren't from the other person. Would you say mm. that is magical in relationships? Is it important to be the same or different? Or how would you look at people's differences in relationship to relationships? I think it to me it's about respect. It's about honoring and respecting where that person is coming from because where that person is at is a, a conclusion of all their stories, of their experiences, of their beliefs, etc. So there is a real need to respect and honour that person, even if you don't agree with it. Um, and in relationships, that can sometimes be a point of, I love and respect you, but I choose not to um, follow that way or go with you or you know do what you're doing etc and that is a, a form of love and respect as well even though at the time you know that can seem quite painful or quite hard whereas on the other side that love and respect you know in a in a relationship um, can be really just allowing that person to blossom and, and be who they are without necessarily wanting to change them as long as that person is also being true and respecting themselves in the way that they are living their lives and growing as well. Does that make sense? Yes, and I think it's such a powerful reminder to all of us that we can honour and respect each other's thoughts and feelings, but also to stay true. And I really appreciate that about you because ultimately then, a year later, as you mentioned, you guys then decided as a family to move to the Sunshine Coast, which absolutely made my life complete, knowing that you were coming over here. Um, and then, you know, let's talk a little bit about that journey, because then we decided when you did get here that it was time to relaunch a book and perhaps mm. combine our first three books together into one and relaunch it as Like Chocolate for Women. How did that feel to you making that move and then coming over here for you personally? 
it was a hard move at the time leaving family because I have a very close family here. Uh, but it was also a very exciting move, um, knowing one, the Sunshine Coast is beautiful, so we were going to somewhere sunny and beautiful that we'd been before only ever on holiday, um, and knowing that I was coming over and rejoining you again as far as we had, we always get so excited about our ideas and what we want to achieve and all these things that we can do, so that was so exciting. It was challenging and you know when moving families selling house moving families moving your whole life is a challenge in itself but um it was just a really exciting time really really exciting time so to get established on the sunshine coast you know financially was a little bit of a challenge you've got you have to think about you know new jobs where you're going to live etc um and that was a little bit of a challenge at the time but we settled in uh, we rented a beautiful place on Kawana Island and we started working together. And I think that excitement and passion and, and thought of a, a brand new country that we could take on, as it were, um, overrid a lot of those fears that, that we were having at the time. Yeah. And I think what was so lovely is our kids were all similar ages and watching each other all grow and yet stay independent watching both our husbands try to go through and grow through what they were trying to create and do. It was all very, um, again, idyllic and that beautiful, open-hearted, naive view on adventure, life, business, and creating ourselves over here became a whole new energy and entity in itself. And there's never any accidents, the people that we meet. And I remember meeting the beautiful Nikki Parkinson and we talked about our book and mm. she was doing journalism at that time mm. and said, I'll MC it. And so we had this whole passion. And so this time though, we self-published having been in a book called Read My Lips with the amazing Rachel Birmingham, who started Four Ingredients. What was incredible is we then, after having three books published through a publishing house, This was the first time we went down self-publishing, which is another whole journey. We created a book and it was so nice not having editors tell us what to take out, what to put in, and we could do it. But we actually didn't realize that the book was so thick and so beautiful. It was weighing a kilo in weight, which then... (laughs) which then was painful when it came to posting and all of those sorts of things with prices. And so, again, our naivety almost cost us any kind of profitability from this book. But what I loved Mm. about you and I working together is nothing ever seemed too big a deal, and it is what it is, and we made the best of every situation. Do you remember our launch of Light Chocolate for Women? And just, again, like our launch of that book in New Zealand, even though people told us it couldn't be done or shouldn't be done or perhaps wouldn't be a great idea, we just followed our gut anyway, didn't we? Oh, we did. That was a really special night. And it's wonderful when you have a community like the Sunshine Coast because there are incredible people over there in business and they came together and supported us. And, and we put on a, a beautiful evening and um, Megan Larson flew over from Perth um, at the time. Or was that our... I'm getting confused now. Maybe that was the 28th launch. We combined it together. I can't remember now. Was she there? I think she came for the skincare one a couple of months later. I think she came for the skincare one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then we had had a panel of people like Jodie MacGyver, Cindy. um, Yes. Who else was on that panel? It was an incredible group of businesswomen on the Sunshine Coast that we interviewed. Yes. Yes, we did. 
was it Min as well? Yeah. And and these the, these women, and that was what was so amazing about being on the Sunshine Coast was that this incredible environment of these women who were, you know, forging their way in business and, and achieving the most incredible things and authors and just Cindy with um with you know what she was doing with changing habits. We we're just surrounded by the most incredible people and that really encouraged and inspired us to keep going and supported us. And I think you make a really good point there. There's that amazing quote or saying, you know, you you are the reflection of the people, the top five people you spend most of your time with. And we felt that night, even though we were told people on the Sunshine Coast don't go out in the evening, they're all up at 4 a.m., um, <laughs> we also decided driving past Mercedes-Benz here on the Sunshine Coast, that would be the ideal place to launch it. And we just, again, brazingly walked into Mercedes-Benz, asked to speak to the owner, managing director, told him that we wanted to launch this book, Like Chocolate for Women, on this particular date. And remember, he said, oh, my gosh, we're launching our chocolate-coloured Mercedes that same month, so that sounds perfect. And then we had Laurent from Thermomix do the chocolate canapes, and we donated $5 of every ticket to a beautiful charity here on the Sunshine Coast. And I just, I think sometimes no means just keep trying, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's that environment that we're in was very much like that. You know, people just say, "Great, yeah, we'll help, we'll we'll do that." So surrounding ourselves with those people, moving to the Sunshine Coast was meant to be, absolutely meant to be at that time, and for what we were doing in our lives. Yeah, it was brilliant. We then fast forwarded and we were speaking around the country. We were doing workshops. We were doing once again what we loved. Our kids were now at a new phase in their lives, heading into their teenage years. What then, how long were you on the Sunshine Coast? And then what was the catalyst for you to, you know, ultimately then I had to turn around and love you and allow you and support you and respect you for the decisions you then started to need to make? Yeah, yeah. So I was on the coast, I think about six, seven years I was on the coast. And, you know, we have a story in our head of how we think life is going to go. And then life has other plans for you. So at that time, I had um, separated from my husband. um, And we had been married about 18, 19 years. And that I didn't see that coming. So when we moved to the Sunshine Coast, that was the last thing that was on my mind. Um, but that did happen. And for the next year, I struggled finding my balance and finding the place that I needed to be. Because as I'd mentioned earlier, I do have a, a close and big family back in New Zealand. And my sister's children were having their children. And so now I have teenagers who were desperate to be with cousins and they wanted to babysit because they were in that babysitting age. So when we would come back to New Zealand, it was more and more more of a pull, you know, every time that we left. At that time, I did feel a, a, I was being drawn home for many reasons, for support, um, for the girls' support. Um, but then on the other side, incredibly hard to think of leaving and moving away from what we had created there on the Sunshine Coast with 28 and with the books. Uh, so it was a really challenging time. I did, and after talking to you and, and a lot of heartache and a lot of tears um, and a lot of thinking, soul searching, I did decide to make the move back to New Zealand. 
And then moving back to New Zealand with two teenagers, I moved in with my 80-year-old father. So you can imagine how interesting that was. We have teenagers who, you know, were a bit stressed and challenged with the whole move as well. They were excited to be going back to New Zealand, but stressed with everything that had taken place in their family life. Moving back in with an 80-year-old who was very old school and very strict, there was a lot of patience, a lot of compromising, um, and a lot of learning from all of us during that time. And I lived with Dad actually for two years, but it was kind of perfect in a way because Dad's uh, second wife had just passed away uh, of cancer, and it was a lovely um, gap in his life that we filled by moving back with him as well. So I moved back to New Zealand. And as exciting as it was being back with family and friends, I also had a huge hole that I had to fill from moving away from what we were doing, Kim, and talking to people and sharing our passion and, and my love of everything to do with health and well-being. And that's when I was approached by uh, my uh headmistress from the old college that I used to go through with beauty therapy I bumped into her everything happens for a reason doesn't it and she asked if I'd like to come back and do some teaching so I went back into a teaching role which really filled that gap for me I I got a lot of fulfillment so much joy out of sharing my love and passion for therapy and massage and well-being with adult students so I did that for a number of years all during that time though I connected with a very old friend who was going through something very similar than I was. He just separated. Our children were friends from way, way back. And we felt this instant connection after I got back from New Zealand, um, to New Zealand. So that, that started a, another little quiet journey of connecting with someone who was going through something similar, which was fabulous in a way that you could share and have real heart to heart of what was happening in your life and the pain and the grief and trying to find this new place in life, I could share that with someone. And that developed to the point where we married three years ago. Um, and in that time, though, here Craig was in real estate and his PA uh, left. And I said, well, I'll, I'll just help you out because I was teaching and I, was, I, and I had part-time teaching and I thought I could help him out as well. So I jumped into that and I'm a detail person. So I love detail and all the fine things. Craig is a very big picture people person. So it was a really nice connection, a really nice balance we both brought to each other. And I did my papers on the side over about a year to help him with open homes. And it just sort of snowballed from there to the point where the last six years I've been working full-time with Craig in real estate and absolutely loving it my whole life with with work has always been about caring and looking after people you know with the therapy side and what we were doing Kim so I don't find real estate that much difference in the way that you are helping people through probably one of the most stressful times of their life selling their home and supporting and helping them and if I can take some of that stress away and make it a little bit easier for them uh, then I get real joy out of that as well. Gosh, it's an amazing story, my dear friend. And I was so excited that you and Craig found love after all the heartache and pain that you'd both been through. 
and how you managed yourselves through that time is an example I share with many clients and many people, just your graciousness, your respect, your care, your understanding of pain and all levels for all people involved, the blending of families, the understanding and growing your own lives, businesses, selves, all of those things. You are someone who I truly look up to and very much revere around how you handle things with so much grace do you think that's a personality thing or do you think you've learned that? How are you so beautifully graceful? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very humbling, Kim. <laughs> um, I think I think we are we are born with our, our, our personalities. I think we come into this world with um our soul comes into this world with its own things to learn and traits. But I do think that I was brought up in a, a beautiful nurturing home when I was young with a, a beautiful parents um, and sister and brothers. It was a lovely, loving, nurturing environment. So that definitely has an effect. I think everything that we, we go through in life shapes us and we can choose, you know, to look at it as, can I learn from this or, or is this going to be, you know, what's going to stop me in life? I was really fortunate um, to have parents and particularly mum who was on quite a self-growth journey when I was through my teenage years. Um, she went through a separation herself and so she went through a um, self-growth and I remember she reading books like Wayne Dyer and um, all those types of things. So I was sort of exposed to that and that did start me on that personal growth journey. So I was always reading. I remember attending um, courses and, and, and different environments where I, I just always wanted to learn and find out more. So that, that started when I was a teenager. And I think you just continue on that learning journey all your life, really. I'm still learning. I still love reading books and and going to seminars, I'm always listening to podcasts and your podcasts. And I, I just think life is just all about learning, really. I, I feel really grateful um, to be in, to given a second chance at love and to be with someone who I deeply respect in every way, uh, particularly with work. I, um, Craig's incredible, his people skills and the way that he does business. Um, he's just brutally beautifully honest um, and just real and I learn a lot from his his how he deals with people but also the way he loves is just I have a lot of respect for his openness and he's just real there are sort of no pretenses and I, I'm always learning from people around me I'm learning from my teenagers as they're growing up and going through things learning how to you know how best to support them I'm also um, continually learning from friends around me and what life throws at us so I just think it's it's just a journey as you go through Kim you know and I was just very fortunate enough to sort of be guided in the right direction when I was young. Well I think that's true but there's many young people who are guided in the right direction but still choose to do different things as we mm. know mm. but I do think true. there's something incredibly remarkable about you and 
the fact that we started 28 together, the fact that we've written many books together, the fact that we know that we'll work together again, the fact that we continuously show up for each other. And I think what's so beautiful about friendship, um, particularly a friendship like ours, there was a beautiful author called John O'Donoghue that we both absolutely <laughs> adore and dreamed of one day yeah. meeting and uh, sadly he passed away relatively young. But there was a word in there that we both really connected with, so much so that we both had it tattooed on us. Um, <laughs> would you just share how that came about <laughs> and um, and why that's so important to us in the biggest picture of all things, which is friendship and life? Yeah, John is just beautiful, John O'Donoghue. Um, is someone I would have loved to have met. He's a Irish poet and scholar, um, an ex-priest, and he just writes the most beautiful words which touch your soul, really. We started uh, looking into him when we were looking about beauty, like what is beauty in one of our books? You know, what is beauty to us? And his definition of beauty was just gorgeous to him he said beauty is a sense of homecoming and that is very much um, what sums up what real beauty is understanding like a deeper sense of who you are of knowing who you are becoming and that depth his words I really encourage everyone to to look at some of his poetry and what he what he writes about but one of the things he does write about is Anamkara which is that soul connection, that soul friend that you can have with many people, but often there's a few special people in your life that you do just have a soul connection with. And Anamkara is definitely what we thought summed up our relationship. And so we looked up the symbol of Anamkara, which is a never-ending knot. And just before I left Australia to come back to New Zealand, we knew that even though we were going to be separated, that that connection would never end. And to us, that summarised all our feelings. And so we went and got that tattooed in a private place. <laughs> and, and that's just something really special, special um, that we both have and we both share. And that came really from John O'Donoghue's reading. Mm. And it's something mm. that is a continual reminder of another word that you've said a couple of times today, and that's to trust. And I think one of the most beautiful things is you trusted, and I say this with love, gave me permission, but I say that in a, not that you were controlling, but you just, you gave me permission to give myself permission to move to Australia. And then I found myself doing the same, giving <laughs> you permission to give yourself permission to return to New Zealand. And our yes. lives are like a knot. They constantly intertwine. And I had the privilege of marrying you and Craig three years ago. And I continuously will always see you over there and vice versa. And I just, I just think that that knot of life, sometimes we can have a knot in life that halts us or changes our direction or creates a bit of a stagnant um, stockpile where you really do literally have to take stock to unravel the knots of our life. But then to realize that a knot is also the intertwining of all of the things, the good and the not so good. 
from your perspective then mm. back in New Zealand and being on this incredible role, uh, the role that you play now, it's interesting I find that the essence of who you are with the nurturing, the kindness, the open heart, the making the best of every situation I dare say it wouldn't have mattered what career you went into. You would have always had the capacity to make people feel so amazing and to see the good in all situations. As a mum, how have you now back in New Zealand helped your children understand the knots and the intertwinement of life? And how have you continued now to be with them as adults? Well, you know, I, I was talking about this the other day to somebody about parenting and I said, I just love Instagram for the fact that I'm just constantly, you know, sharing little tidbits that I find and little words of wisdom without having to ring up, without having to sort of feel like I'm lecturing or telling again or reminding you to think like this. I just, I, I love what the social media has done um, for that connection I have with my girls now in their 20s because I can flick them something and they come back and go, oh, that's great, or flick me something. So we we have this online connection which still feeds um, the personal growth and getting through life. So I think I, I definitely have always um, encouraged the girls like like I do to, to learn and to read um, and to be inquisitive and to ask questions and to trust. Trust is, there's that word again. It's just very much trust what is happening because even though in the amongst chaos and as teenagers and in their 20s now, things you know are challenging in life and don't always go right. I just say, just trust. Everything's going to work out fine. Just have that trust. And that can give you a sense of peace and amongst the chaos that things will work out. So I find I, I'm loving the relationship as they get older because even though as teenagers they tended to fight that, going, oh, I'm so sick of you always being positive, mum. You know, like, oh, everyone gets so sick of you trying to be positive all the time. I now find that in their 20s they will start speaking back to me that positivity that, you know, sometimes I need to hear. You know, sometimes we all have challenging days and you start to get that relationship now where you're both kind of on the same page or you can see them and the way that they're viewing life and looking at things you deep down you go oh good they've got that I can see that they actually are really you know understanding that or looking at it from the right point of view so it's yeah it's exciting it's exciting and I'm really incredibly proud of both of them and what they're both achieving and, and where they're both at it's 20s are still so young there is so much to learn in life, you know, and you look at them and just think, oh, everything in the 51 years that I have learned and still learning, you think, oh, 20, it's still so, you've still got so much to learn, but you, you already know so much, you know. Mm -hmm especially with a mama bear like you. But there is something that I've just got the giggles over thinking, how you stayed positive with your first haircut from Lauren as a hairdresser. <laughs> oh, she, she, oh, I'll say you say this, but she'll laugh, actually. She'll laugh, <laughs> I know. But Lauren is the most amazing hairdresser now, working for Stephen Barr in Newmarket. And when she was first learning, though, cut above, she was just so confident. Lauren's a very much a... I'll just, she jumps in and, yep, I can do that. And I love her confidence. But 
her confidence on my hair that day went a little bit too far when I, I said, yeah, absolutely do my haircut, honey. You do my haircut. She goes, I think we should do some layering. I mean, go for it. Yep, cool. That sounds great, giving her, you know, all, you know, support and encouragement. And it was when she first started and I could tell she was getting a bit fidgety and I'm looking in the mirror thinking, oh, that's interesting. How's she going to layer all that in? That's quite a quite a step up from, <laughs> from where my hair is on my shoulder up to my ear. But okay, I'm sure she'll layer that in nicely. And anyway, then she just put down her scissors and said, um, can I talk to you in the bathroom, please? So I walked in the bathroom and she just burst into tears and said, I think I've cut it wrong. I, I'm not sure what I've done. And I just went, oh, no, that's only here, darling. It's only here. Who cares? It'll grow. Like, don't worry about it. Just, you know, tidy it up. It'll be absolutely fine. And inside I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, where's the fast style to my hairdresser? Oh, my goodness, how am I going to go out tomorrow? And so it, it was hilarious. I did wear my hair in a ponytail for a few weeks, but that's okay. <laughs> we got through that and she learned a lot. In fact, she came to the hairdresser and she showed her where she'd gone wrong. So um, the things you do for kids, eh? <laughs> just it still warms my heart I just I just love it so much and she's brilliant now because of that of what she's learned (laughs) well and also what I love about Paige is her individuality and her own sense of style and her love uh, of fashion and all things and what she's doing now but tell me how they're both so different and yet they're both so connected what is Paige doing these days now ages into fashion so she's loving fashion she went and did a a course um, on fashion and design down in Christchurch and she lived down there for a few years um, with her boyfriend who was studying engineering at the time they've both moved back up to Auckland now and she's working uh, for Augustine in Takapuna in Auckland and fashion Paige has such an eclectic cool sense of, of fashion I mean, I'm probably more conservative and sort of classic lines, whereas Paige is just out there and and loves colour and patterns and design, so she could not be working in the most perfect place. Um, I walk into that shop and try and look for the the black or the plain plain thing, and she is just all about colour. So, it's yeah, she's it's, it's a perfect fit for her at the moment. I know she's got bigger dreams of wanting to get into... Um, you know designing either her own range or or working for a a, you know someone and and helping them with that design in the future so who knows what that will take her but she's her cup is full at the moment. Yeah it's really special to watch our kids growing and I mean we've known each other since our babies were baby babies and it's just incredible that we're now at this stage in our lives but one thing I wanted to ask you and to check in with is through life and all of its ups and downs and all of its challenges, one thing that many families face these days is the blendedness of different, you know, second marriages or different couples coming together post-relationships and post-children. What would be your piece Mm. of advice for women out there listening to this that are either finding themselves in a blended marriage or they're finding themselves being stepmoms or stepdads what would be your advice around that side of things? Because that's another level again, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely. And that can be a real challenge. Um, Craig and I didn't rush things uh, to blend the kids as we were. I, um, it took a, a number of years before we decided to um, move in together. And I think giving the kids that space is really important. They just want you as a mum 
or you as a dad, you know, but they want you on their own. They're going through a time which is incredibly challenging and turbulent to them, particularly, you know, often they're teenagers um, or any age, any kid, but particularly in those teenage years, it's a real challenge. So giving them that space um, and not pushing them into that blend too quickly, I think is a real advantage to helping kids get through it. When we did blend, um, we then curdled, <laughs> as I say, for a little while and then re-blended again. Um, but it, it is a challenge for everyone and you just need to, to give them that space um, and sit down and talk. We would let each other parent our own children. So I wouldn't step into that you know, big parenting role to Craig's kids in the early days. Craig would do that and I would parent my two. You know, he wouldn't overstep into that father figure as it were because that was you know challenging for them their dad was their dad and and kids don't want someone coming in and, and stepping into that space too soon so we very much gave each other that um that position of of dealing with our own kids but we also very much made sure that we were on the same page with all the kids and how we parented because I think that is a big challenge for a lot of blended families is is the two Adults are not on the same page when it comes to parenting. And so by having very different styles and allowing some kids to do that and other kids to do that, that can create a whole lot of conflict. So we were very fortunate that we we talked about things and how we're going to deal with this and, you know, how you're going to deal with it, et cetera, so that we were always on the same page because otherwise kids will, you know, divide and conquer, as it were, um, when they're stressed. That's, that's what they will do. So making sure that you're a a team effort is really important and and they all got through it they all you know certainly it's incredibly challenging at times and particularly because they were teenagers um, we had those challenges but by giving them space and time time's a big thing we we can get through anything so true speaking of your loves and I know you and I could talk forever um but your love of nutrition your love of um feeding people not only with positive energy and beauty and all of those things but you are huge on nutrition and particularly as a beauty therapist who knows that you know good skin can come from the inside out what has been some of the biggest things you've learned over these last, you know, few decades around nutrition that has been really symbolic to you and the raising of your family? That is a very huge part of my life and often is the, the books beside my bed still, I'm still reading and learning. Um, I had my own skin challenges and being a beauty therapist, it was doubly challenging because as a therapist, you need to have everything perfectly right yourself. So you learn a lot through that, through having um, skin issues. And also I find everyone is, is different when it comes to what works for them as well. And I have found particularly of what works for me and something that I, I've really always gravitated to and always known is the healing power in plants. So for me, predominantly my diet is probably 80% plant-based. I still eat a bit of meat. Um, I still eat other things, but I, I focus a lot on plants. And when I did that, um, I noticed I had a huge healing reaction in my body. And I used to suffer from irritable bowel, et cetera. So as we know, the gut is all related to your health and particularly your skin as a reflection of what's happening inside. So if your gut's not functioning properly, um, that will be reflected in your skin as well. And yet I tried 
you know, um, more of a paleo aspect for me. And as, as, as wonderful as that is in many ways, my body actually didn't, it couldn't cope with the extra fat. I can't cope with that extra coconut oil um, and um, the extra fat and too much meat in my diet. So what works for me is predominantly plant-based with a little bit of meat and a little bit of good fats, etc. So I'm still learning around that, but I, I just love, I love herbal medicine. I love understanding plants and, and the benefits and the incredible things that nature has given us to heal the body. So it's, it's something that I do. I love to cook and I love to share that in my cooking um, and having a big, you know, a blended family at times, you get that gets put to use really well. But it is something I'm continually to learn and loving learning myself. Mm. And I think it was your knowledge around the skin, being a qualified beauty therapist, your passion for nutrition, and then blending that with my love of health and wellness and fitness and essential oils is how we knew that 28 was going to be a beautiful product range. But just so that our beautiful listener can understand, your knowledge in beauty therapy, you had sold some of the biggest brands that the world knows. And yet when it came to creating 28, we decided to keep it incredibly simple. Could you just explain the philosophy behind that and why you felt it was so important mm. that we created something that was relative to all types? Yeah, there is, there is power in simplicity. Often the simplest things are the things that work the best. I think everybody knows that. And when it does come to skin, you know, the, the more that we're laden on the chemicals and the, and the perfumes and the, all the different things that are in products these days, often that can confuse and um, hide the real issue of what's happening with the skin and also impede the natural healing and innate ability for the skin to really rejuvenate itself it can mask and give an initial feeling that it's doing great but underneath those cells really need food and they need food from nature and that is where 28 comes in so I have worked with many ranges over the years um, lots and lots of ranges right from you know Clarins and Golan, um, Alabashe Oh, Joyce Block, I can name probably about 10 different ranges that I've worked with over the years. And I understand that a lot of people don't necessarily want a big complicated range as well. You know, telling you've got to put on, you know, five different products every evening, not only can be expensive, but can be overwhelming and just generally not needed. So when we created 28, it was really getting right back to the core of what the skin needs, understanding how the skin functions, um, working gently with the skin, you're going to get the best results. Understanding that we combine that with good nutrition on the inside because the skin grows from the inside out. When you put healing ingredients inside, but then when you put the healing ingredients on the outside as well, you just get this wonderful synergy which can give the skin, skin the best chance to age gracefully and to glow. So 28 was created with all that in mind. We worked with the amazing Megan Larson from Sadashi, over in Perth, um, and that is her philosophy with Sadashi as well, is just understanding these beautiful raw ingredients from nature, how to create them into these beautiful uh, cleansers and creams and serums that are incredibly potent but very, very gentle on the skin. And everybody 
whether it's male or female or whatever age we've got, skin basically still needs the same thing. It just needs to be cleansed thoroughly, but gently needs to be nourished really well and it needs to be protected. So that 28 just does that beautifully. So we were really excited to work with Megan to create um, a gorgeous range and then complement it with the lovely essential oils as well. One of our philosophies was very much about living our truth and trusting that the right thing would happen. We attended many different conferences, places like Rotorua and Auckland and all over the place about skin (laughs) and trying to create this brand. But it actually took us 10 years. And one of the things that, you know, I would say is that we had a lot of patience and faith and trust and how we got Uh, In our third book about face, where beautiful Megan picked up the book up at Auckland Airport and read it from Auckland to Perth, she actually reached out, which was so amazing that in all our years of trying to find the right um, company to produce the small range that we wanted, we just couldn't seem to find someone who matched our energy around and desire around clean ingredients, no preservatives or preservatives that certainly Uh, didn't harm the body and also ingredients that certainly supported the gut, the skin and our health. But it was fascinating, wasn't it? Our patience, because it was also tested in that TV show that we were going to do. And I just, what I love most about creating 28 with you is that we we took a stance and no one was going to shake it. And just so the listener knows, we we went to TVNZ alongside trying to create this range. We wanted a television show, a magazine-style show for women and health, all the things that we were passionate about. I think we hounded Simone, the director of TVNZ at that time, for about six months till eventually she finally said, I've got some great news coming. And they offered us a slot, a 10-show slot on TVNZ on a Saturday morning. But if we proved ourselves right, we could move into a more primetime slot. But when she told us who the sponsor is, and it's not that we want to knock brands or anything, but when she told us the sponsor's name, we both really took a step back and just said, ooh. And then she told us to go away and think about it overnight just explain to us what we went through over those 24 hours and then the stance that we took. Yeah, so you can imagine how exciting that was to think, oh, my goodness, we're going to reach so many women, so many people through the TV. We can get our message out there. Um, this is exactly what we wanted. And then to be told that, yeah, to have a sponsor that didn't align with us at all, a mainstream sponsor that was mineral, chemical, fragrant based which went against everything that we wanted to share um I think it might be different these days because maybe there's so much more offering but back then um, there were there were not these amazing companies that were offering you know beautiful clean green products so it, it was a real challenge but in saying that we both knew straight, even though we, we we struggled with it, deep down we both knew that there was just no way that we could move forward with a sponsor that just didn't align with what we were talking about because it, it just, we looked two-faced. We looked as if we weren't speaking our truth. If we said one thing and then the sponsor comes on advertising the products that we're talking exactly about trying to avoid how to use. So, it's, yeah, it was, a, it was disappointing, but... It, it tells a good story, you know, and it also conveyed how passionate we were about what we were trying to trying to get people to look at when it comes to health and well-being. Mm. 
Well, my dear friend, you are certainly someone who I admire, as I've mentioned, and absolutely always come to you when I've got questions around health and wellness. I love your desire to learn and your constant creativity around making sure people feel loved, connected and supported. But if you really, if we looked at the whole picture and the scheme of our lives and how our first book had the word self-care is not selfish, it's essential. Um, If you understand that our passion, our beliefs, our truths, our experiences all came together, ultimately, um, both of us have a real passion around the power behind self-love. And I'd just love to know your definition of what self-love is to you. Kind of combine that with with John, really. Self love to me is is like a sense of homecoming. It's it's understanding and accepting who you are, and who you are becoming and want to be, and loving and accepting yourself right here, right now, but also loving that person that you are becoming. Um, love is everything it comes down to the um the basis of everything in life and your relationships um with your family and your children with your partner but particularly with yourself and as I've said to the girls so many times the best way you can support your partner the best way you can be in a relationship is to work on yourself because when you love yourself and you're the best version of you then you show up as the best for your partner and that is all your partner needs so the best thing you can do when you're in a relationship particularly in your 20s is is work on loving you so I I think that kind of sums up how I look at it yeah and I'd say even now in my 50s it's still my my commitment is to continuously work on myself and continuously aspire to being the best version of myself because there's times when I haven't been um, particularly with children or life or stress or business, but or even health, you know, I know it's a continual evolution of our desire to commit to who we are and what we're doing. But I, I really love and appreciate that. And I guess to finish, my dear friend, if there was a message for the self-love podcast listener, something that you would love for them to hear, and then perhaps a favorite quote of yours right now, what would that be? Um, right, there's so many quotes and things that I've got in my head. Um, I think that that sense of just acknowledging and accepting that where you are right now is exactly where you need to be. Trust is that word that continually comes up to me. And so every time that I get stressed, every time that I, I struggle, I, I, I even see the word trust in my mind's eye. And so that would probably be my message to people is no matter what you're going through, just trust that everything is how it's meant to be, that everything will actually work out, even if at the time you can't see how that's going to be. Um, I have a beautiful little book that, that I love reading. Um, it's one, a book I picked up in Bali actually many years ago, and it's by Heyman Sunan. It's called The Things You Can See Only When You Slow Down. And that's a beautiful book that I often will pick up and just it has beautiful little quotes and little sayings. Um, I'm just looking at it right now. I'm just picking up a little, one of my favourite little quotes that I've got. 
Okay, here is one that I love that I think is quite cute. Don't try to make it perfect. Instead, make it interesting. So I love that because we're often we try and make things perfect. And I have that personality that wants everything to be perfect. And sometimes I don't do something and, and until I know it's going to be perfect. But don't try and make it perfect. Just make it interesting. Oh, I love that. What a beautiful way to end. Certainly, we have had an interesting journey so far. I'm sure we've got many, many more years and stories to share. But on behalf of everyone listening to you and in celebration of my week of 200 podcasts, I couldn't think of a better person to be sharing. Thank you so much, beautiful Fleur. I have absolutely adored today and it's reminded me how much I miss you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And I I just love chatting to you. It takes me right back. And I just so love and respect and admire the work that you're doing, Kim. You know, I'm incredibly proud of you. It's like you you picked up the baton, you just kept running um, when I left Australia. And I think what you've done is just such a credit to you. And I'm just so, so proud. I really am, honey. Love you, darling. Thank you so much. Love you too. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.